Hello, I'm Malcolm Sim, the Editor-in-Chief of Occupational Environmental Medicine, and thank you for joining me for the inaugural OEM podcast. I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Jill Stocks from the Centre for Occupational and Environmental Health at the University of Manchester, who was the first author on a paper in OEM comparing the trends in occupational disease incidents across several countries in Europe. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Oh, thank you, Malcolm. It's uh, really good to be here and uh, glad to have this chance to talk to you. And uh, I also need to offer you my uh, congratulations uh, to you and your co-authors as this paper has been awarded the best paper in occupational epidemiology for 2015 by EPICO, which is the Scientific Committee on Occupational Epidemiology of the International Commission on Occupational Health. Oh, thanks again. We're really delighted and uh, it's a great compliment to Modnay and all the hard work of the many authors on this paper. Um, I'm sure we'll have a chance to discuss uh, just what a, a collaborative effort it was later on the, in this podcast. Okay, so Jill, tell us how this paper came about. Well, it came about um, through Modnay, which is um, uh, an EU collaboration. It's funded to bring together researchers to work in uh, an aspect of science or research that's um, in, uh, of interest to them, but it's not uh, directed, so, so you have some choice in what you do. And this um, action uh, focused on measuring trends and also looking at uh, emerging and new occupational diseases. So we got together in a small group and we realised that there really weren't um, any measurements of trends in European countries of occupational diseases. So we thought we'd see what we could do about that. It's pretty well known that um, the EU has been trying for a number of years to uh, harmonise the collection of data for occupational disease statistics, but really hadn't made any progress. So we wondered if getting together in a bit more of an informal way, we could use existing data take a more pragmatic approach. And instead of trying to force the data um, into a structure, we'd start taking the data and trying to make some use of it as it was. So that was how it started. T tell us a little about uh, the main findings. What were the key messages to come out of this particular paper? There was quite a lot of specific information. So, for example, uh, we did find that um, occupational allergic diseases, um, well, contact dermatitis, but um, also asthma, were generally declining across Europe, and that was a fairly consistent trend. And, and this was uh, quite surprising, really, that, that our data was actually quite similar. In terms of the other occupational diseases that we looked at, noise-induced hearing loss, there was a much more mixed pattern with some countries uh, showing increasing trends and others decreasing, and similarly for um, carpal tunnel syndrome. But I think more than the actual data, uh, it's, it was the concept or the idea that we could actually use data to compare incidents without harmonising across all of Europe, because that is such a challenge. So prior to this work, uh, as I've mentioned before, European occupational disease statistics were no longer being collected simply because of the difficulties of, of the data, its diverse structure and so on. And we, in, up to a point, we filled this gap in the knowledge. And while we wouldn't say that harmonising the data is not a worthwhile goal, it certainly is, 
In the meantime, we had absolutely no idea whether occupational diseases were increasing, decreasing, staying the same, whether they vary between countries. And it started to at least give us a little bit of a, a flavour of what's going on with occupational disease trends in Europe. And so th this is one reason that we were very interested in the paper when it was submitted to us because it was really a groundbreaking paper which addressed an area which was thought to be too hard before your paper came along. So that's why we were particularly interested in it and delighted to be able to, to publish it and it was, it was the editor's choice for that edition of the, of the journal. It was, it was a challenge and I think that I can't get into the minds of why it was selected by the uh, committee but... Um, what what I felt was good about it was not the technical challenge of it. That was really quite small, but it was actually the um, practical challenge of bringing together uh, 27 researchers, 10 countries, 20 data sets, and making some sense of that. And part of the problem was that at the very outset of the work, many countries said, well, we'd love to do that, but our data just isn't good enough. And we said, well, just bring your data along and we'll take a look at it. And we did find that almost everybody's data was actually good enough. And that's really why, why we managed to do it. It was just overcoming this barrier of believing that the data had to be perfect. You had to have nothing missing. You had to have no underreporting. You had to have complete coverage. Many of these aspects were, were not so important with the methods that we were using. And the fact that we were looking at change was really helpful. We're not making any um, estimates of absolute incidence. So when our researchers got that around that idea in their heads, it, it moved forward quickly from then on and, and gathered some momentum. Okay, so w why do you think these, these findings are important for practitioners and for policymakers? They're important for um, practitioners in, in that they can feel that they're making some progress uh, in reducing allergic uh, occupational diseases at least. And as far as we can tell, some upper limb diseases and um, noise-induced hearing loss, CTS, are not increasing dramatically. There's some variation and debate as to whether they're going up and down. So they can feel encouraged that they are making some, some impact on occupational disease. From a, a policymaker's point of view, uh, they have this actual work and now at least three of the countries have published their trends in more detail using this method. They've been given the method and the confidence to go ahead and do that. Um, this work's been discussed at uh, European level meetings and it's, I think it's helped to put European occupational disease statistics back on the map. These were abandoned in 2009 and now there's more talk about uh, bringing back some kind of um, joint statistics for all of Europe. But of course, the problem still remains of harmonisation and it's very difficult to see whether or not we can make much more progress without harmonisation and whether we can go further down this route of using the existing data. So hopefully it's awakened people to the idea that maybe they can use the data that they already collect, routinely collected data. It can be used. It's just a question of finding out how to use it and being a little bit more broad-minded about its imperfections. Sure. Um, and what, what do you think it should be the next stage then in, in improving our disease, uh, occupational disease surveillance across, uh, across Europe and, in fact, throughout the world? Because these conditions don't just occur in Europe, they occur elsewhere as well. 
clearly we should still carry on with any kind of um, efforts to harmonize data and, and always seek this goal of, of collecting good, consistent data um, across Europe and across the world. But given that there are a lot of difficulties with this, we are going to have to look at using uh, more linked data sets and using routinely collected data and data from other sources such as primary care or general practice data. Uh, if we can integrate uh, occupational health surveillance into the wider healthcare system in countries where there are good primary healthcare systems, then we may find a much richer source of data with a lot more demographic data as well as the occupational data. Uh, to me, it's, it's just as important as smoking status, alcohol consumption, any number of public health questions uh, that are asked of, of people. Why not ask them about their occupation? It, it's important when it comes to um, health. Okay, G given that uh, we know a lot about uh, these occupational diseases, I mean, many of them have been around for, for many decades and in some cases for hundreds of years, um, and we, we've got plenty of information on how to control these work hazards and prevent occupational diseases. Why, why do you think these are still a problem across European countries and, in fact, in many countries around the world? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, as we've already said, I, I do believe it's improving a little, especially um, allergic occupational diseases. And we don't know how much of what you say is about reporting of occupational diseases, because in Europe there is quite a strong tradition of reporting occupational diseases. But nonetheless, given the amount of legislation and attention that, that has been paid, um, particularly uh, by the European Union to occupational diseases, it is quite as you say, concerning that there is still seems to be a lot of occupational disease around. And it, I think it, our next efforts must really be towards however we're going to encourage people to take note of these um, rules, legislation, advice and so on is probably really the next area that, sh that should be exploited. Possibly um, we can use surveillance data for, for looking at the impact of interventions. I think probably we need to do more of that because we need to know what works. So we, we do have uh, the laws in place, but we're just simply not passing that through. We're simply not getting people to to follow the, um, the best practice that's been recommended. I agree. So uh, just to finish off, um, what, why do you think you and your team uh, won the award for the best paper for 2015? Well, it's not really my team. We were we were a real collaboration, um, so everybody contributed. And I think the main success, in my opinion, was this um, sharing of data uh, in a very uh, open and unrestricted manner. And once it got out among the Modern Day members that we were working on this project, we rapidly grew from three countries. The original three were France, the Netherlands and the UK. We rapidly grew to 10 countries who all offered their data. Thanks for that, Jill. And I, I think the, the, the way that you uh, collaborated with so many countries uh, in this paper was a, was a great achievement. Could you just list out those other countries that took part in this paper? Uh, yes. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the original founding countries, countries were France, the Netherlands and the UK, but very quickly uh, we were joined by Switzerland, Finland, the Czech Republic, Belgium, Spain, Italy and Norway. 
to make 10 countries in total. Okay, now it's been a great uh, achievement and it was uh, a very interesting and, and very important paper. So I'd just like to, to thank you, Jill, for your time uh, today uh, to talk uh, with us and congratulations again to you and the rest of the Modern Day uh, collaboration because it's, uh, it's made some substantial inroads into our understanding of occupational disease uh, monitoring and trends um, through so many countries. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. This has been a, a, an OEM podcast, and if you would like to find more detail about uh, Jill's paper, you can find it in the April 2015 edition of OEM on the website, and it is an open access paper. Mm-hmm.